0: Welcome to the 6AM Run podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a a. 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the 6 AM Run Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Payson. Always a pleasure to have you a part of the show. We got a good one for you today. But as always, before we start, the show is brought to you by 6 AM Run and 6am Run.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So, um, We have Dr. Cody Goleman, part of the show today, as G-O-L-M-A-N, if you're looking for him online. Very interesting individual. I am looking forward to this conversation. Dr. Cody, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce
1: yourself or our listeners? Well, yes, you did a great job. I'm Dr. Cody Goleman, and uh, thanks for having me. Mark, I appreciate. it. I'm looking forward to. This isn't going to be a good episode. It's going to be a great one. I can feel it.
0: I love it. I love the confidence. Like I, 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 it exudes already. Like I can feel it. It's coming through the screen. I'm ready to get into it. But um, you know, I, I always, um, I've had a few um, military, former military, ex-military people on the show. I've had, I think I had you know, um, another commander who was an author on the show. So I always love having these conversations because they usually come from a perspective or at least part of a perspective that a lot of us just won't know, won't understand because we haven't lived it. Um, of course, number one, thank you for your service. I appreciate that. Um, my, my brother is, is currently in the Navy. My dad is, you know, former army. So, um, I understand the sacrifice that, um, that happens when anyone joins one of our, uh, military forces. So, and you, you joined at a, at a tender young age of 19. And we say, I mean, I know a lot of people join at those early ages. Is this something that you had always planned to do or kind of something led you there?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking. And by the way, I actually joined at 17. There was a little bit of a loophole. You can't do that now. There was a loophole back then i was actually still in high school and there was some kind of loophole back in then i, I my family's from new orleans you know they kind of don't go by the rules down there so i joined at 17. so technically i was in the military but i but i hadn't gone off to basic training because i was still in school and so by the age of 19 you know um i was i was a tank commander and you know in two years uh you learn you learn quite a bit um But at, by the age of 19, you know, from 17 to 19, I was basically just a bullet kid. I was throwing bullets into a tank. You can do three, three bullets a minute. The bullets are a hundred pounds a piece. Okay. And the bullet hole was about a foot over my head. So over the course of two years, I started having pain in my arms, pain in my neck, headaches, allergies, asthmas. And I always had a heart palpitation. And it was interesting by the time 19, you know, I, I, I was, I was feeling like shit. And so I went to doctors, went to cardiovascular specialists, and I did the treadmill, and they said your heart's fine. I went to nerve specialists, and said we can't find anything wrong with you, but here's a pill. Then I went to I, I went to multiple specialists, and I got a few pills, but no diagnosis. No one found a cause. And I thought, what is going to happen if I take these pills? I, I was kind of stupid when it came to health. I don't know anything about health. but What happens if I take these pills? And I don't have a diagnosis. And so I didn't take the pills. And my mom said, hey, you know, you might want to go see a chiropractor. And so I did, reluctantly saw a chiropractor who said, you got a pinched nerve in your neck. And I said, you, you must, whatever. I, don't, I didn't even believe him because he's just not a real doctor. And he did an adjustment. And I mean, it was almost six months. And you got to understand, my hand wasn't just hurting me. I was I was becoming numb and I lost feeling to the point where I was losing strength. So I couldn't, at 19, it was hard to lift anything at that point. In one adjustment, there's an electrical signal that just shot down my arm into my hand and feeling came back. That was the moment I was acquainted with the power within. Most people are unaware about the power within. Our healthcare system, our education system has trained people that their body is not powerful. This is what most people think. They don't realize it's happening. But every commercial you see... Anywhere from 10 to $15 million a month is spent to tell you that your body is not powerful enough to, to, to work with itself. Go get this pill that a company made because God made you and he forgot to make the right chemicals. That's the message that's out there. So that was the first moment I said, well, what the heck? I had the power to heal inside the entire time. It was that moment that I dedicated myself to, number one, ignite, inspire people to their highest potential and do that by creating truly, truly healthy, healthy, uh, both bodies and minds. And so that's what started the whole health journey and, and and why I do what I do now.
0: Yeah. And that I can just, first of all, thank you for, for, um, mentioning all that and going over because I can only imagine this person who's supposed to be in like peak physical fitness. Um, and understandably like the, the, repetitions and, you know, it's almost understandable that you're going to get some aches and pains and things like that, but to, to not be given any kind of diagnosis, that's, you know, I, I'm sure at one point in your, in your head, I mean, if I'm thinking about myself at 19, you have those thoughts. It's like, is like, is this it? Like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Like, it, you know, how, what is my life going to be like as I continual, continually lose feeling?
1: in my hand that must have gone through your, your mind a couple times mm-hmm. exactly and 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 this is an interesting piece if i think back to that moment what what really would have happened i would have ended up like most people in this country 50 60 and 70 years old living on a bag of medications in a nursing home that is where that path goes and and, and i'm very adamant about this with people that that to really truly understand that you have listen You've got 220-plus glands in your body. Each gland produces anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 chemicals. Each gland. Your body alone makes more chemicals and more pharmaceuticals than any manufactured pharmaceutical company on the planet. Isn't that empowering, Mark, to know that? Why aren't doctors telling people this? There's no money. There's no money in you being empowered. And that's where I come in. That's what I do.
0: So let's talk about that real quick. And and, you know, I've I've mentioned this on the show before that it's not, you know, it's 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 not fiction, not hyperbole that that the healthcare system is set up. Um, We're in a capitalist society. Like, it's I am not by any means telling someone not to visit their primary care, but you know, as Doctor Cody is saying, they, you know, there's there's other ways we need to think about how we take care of ourselves because I'll I'll be the first to tell you I was. You know, when I was overweight, eating poorly, and and you know, with back pain, I'm thinking I gotta throw pills into my my system to, to heal my back pain. And, and what do you know? I I got in shape and and changed some things in my life, and that back pain has never come back. It's it's it's. And again, I just I simplified that story a lot. I did, but that is is is, yeah, is, is sure, for sure, is for sure. time, but. Um, a lot of the work you do, or I should say some of the work you do is, is, you know, on physical health and and we can talk about the the other parts of it too, but in regard to that person who in their mind and and the work you do is about empowering people in their mind, they've been this way for years, like their, their parents are overweight or their parents lived a, a, a unhealthy lifestyle and they're just used to it. They're just used to it, but they want, they, they, they hear this and they say, you know what, Dr. Cody is right. And I, I feel like I can do it, but I just, I just don't know where to start. Like, how does that, that process of empowering a person start? Cause it has to be more, I mean, it's more than words. Like I could sit here on this mic by myself and say, Hey, you're stronger than, you know, but how does that process actually start when it comes to, and your relationship with the people you work with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. The first thing to really understand is when we talk about physical health, we literally cannot separate mental health. The, your, your, your body is a transcript of your mind. So that's the first fallacy. If you go to a doctor, and I'll be the one, I, I love that you prefaced, hey, I'm not telling you not to go see a doctor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the truth here. If you go to your doctor, and they check out your body and don't ask you any questions about what's going on in your life, I'm going to tell you right now, turn around. Why? Because your body is a transcript of what's going on inside you. Your body doesn't cause problems. It's the effect, not the cause. So um, I love your question. You know, over the years, basically what started happening was I was I was studying metaphysics and uh, I was a, a master hypnotist and also training people in, in psychology and, and sociology and, and under, just understanding human behavior in general. And over the years, I started noticing that we have an fa- American statistic that 80 percent of all doctors' visits, all doctors' visits, are due to stress. This is an American statistic. But how many times do you go to the doctor and they actually ask you about your stress? I would say never. almost never. Now, what's a problem? So what's happening is we're treating we're treating emotional, stress-related causes with chemicals. It does not work. We rank in the World Health Organization, we spend the top five in billions of dollars in medications, but the World Health Organization says we rank anywhere from 37 to 41 in the world. It's because we're drugging ourselves. So first thing is if someone's listening to this and going, okay, you know what? I know, I know I've been overweight. Here's the first thing that's really happening here. Number one, um, to start, like you said, that empowerment process. Um, I, I love to tie in psychology and I'll tie, I'll tie some of this in as we, as we talk. But the first thing you really understand is, most people that say they need to lose weight, there's three types of weight, muscle, water, and fat. Let's just start there. You know, that's really important. You obviously need water, you, 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 know, you can't dehydrate yourself, and, and muscle is vitally important to your health. So when people say weight, I really like them to start like tuning in with saying fat, because you don't want to lose weight. You want to lose fat. You don't want to lose muscle or water. But what's happened is, this is another fact, you guys can look this up, 80% of weight loss programs fail in America. 80% of the time, you're gonna go and do it, and if you lose weight, you're gonna gain it all back. This is not me saying this, this is the statistic. Why? Because we've been lied to. Um, The the big thing is, you'll notice that the most recent thing is fasting. And it's the most recent trend. There is all these trends that are gonna happen, okay? Uh, fasting is is good for, for for a few reasons, but I'm gonna say this right now to you: not for weight loss. And here's why. You this is a brain-related thing. Your brain is inherited, we haven't evolved as human beings, we have not evolved very much over the last few thousand years. We're very we still have primitive brain centers that our ants our, our animal ancestors have our primary objective as animals was to survive. The primary function of of, the way to do that was to eat and not starve. That was our primary function. That function is still there. So you have a part of your brain that's called the anti-starvation mechanism. And Mark, what happens is when you, if you burn, if let's say you burn 2000 calories and you eat 1500, meaning you're in a 500 caloric deficit, that part of your brain says, oh crap, I need to store fat, not burn it because I might need it for future use. So you're going to love this statement. This is going to shake up some feathers here. What's the best way to get fat? Starve yourself. I'm going to write a book. It says starve yourself to fat. Because this people are hypnotized. You cannot reduce your calories and lose weight, lose fat because eventually what happens, you start burning into your muscle storages. So many people that fast start feeling like crap because they're not fat burners. So that's the big thing here is to really understand is you cannot reduce your calories. Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, Calorie Countering, Metabolic Centers, all the injections, Ozempic, they're all based on you starving yourself. If you like to be unhealthy, feel like shit and create more disease, I would say go ahead and starve yourself.
0: One of the things, and... I've seen it from every a a lot of perspectives in regard to people wanting to lose weight and trying to lose weight. and, And one of the things I've seen way too often, and I'm sure you have seen it too, is that someone does something that involves a limited amount of calories. Someone does something that involves, lack of a better phrase, starving themselves, as you said. And you see parts of them start to kind of deteriorate and you can see it's muscle that's going away and they'll lose a few pounds and it's the water weight that that that's going away and um I personally and I've talked about my <clears throat> fasting during my two-day fasting journey and I you know I do it as kind of a I, I've never done it to lose weight I've always done it as kind of like a a, a a uh, uh, kind of a, a, a recharge I've kind of I've done it as like a uh, a reset for for me just to to to, to do it and and also I've kind of done it to, to test myself to be honest with you I kind of like the challenge it's call it what you want but I've never used it as like a um a, a weight loss however um how do people and it seems like you you have done your homework and I appreciate that Dr you've done, how do people kind of get out of the minutia how do they? learn to look through the things that say, hey, you need this to lose weight, or you need this to feel better, or you need this. When you and I both know, out of the, the, the fields that we're in, that a healthy lifestyle involves, you know, of course, eating in a way that your your body, you know, gets the calories it needs, getting proper rest, uh, a good weight training or cardio work. Thing. We, we know what it is. However... If you're an alien coming down from outer space and you sit in front of our TV and you just go to the ads that show people, this is what you need to do to be your better self. How does someone kind of read through the nonsense and and get to something that's actually going to work for them?
1: That's a good question. I would say the the answer to that is education. Because instead of trying to teach someone how to read, read through it, I'd like to empower them. So that's part of what we're saying is that that first thing I mentioned is to really understand that if, if 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 you're reading something, looking at a program, and they they talk to you about weight loss and they don't use the words fat loss, I'm going to say run the other direction because they're not really dialed in with what really is healthy for you. Uh, another thing is, let, and let's get people educated. Just listening to this podcast right now will will help people weed through what they're what what they're being told. Let's talk about this. Um, There is a, uh, there's a concept called sugar burning and fat burning. Um, this many, many people, especially women are, are really connected with understanding hormones and, um, what we specifically do and what I, what I do is reset people's hormones. If a weight loss program does not address your hormones, this is, this is the whole reason 80% of people gain the weight back. You must address your hormones. And here's, here's why. You might remember this really amazing thing called the food guide pyramid, Mark. It was a fantastic thing. It really, it was very helpful. Um, I'm being sarcastic. You'll notice, remember the very bottom of the pyramid said six to 11 servings was bread, cereal, rice, and pasta. All the things that break down into sugar in your body, simple carbohydrates. The very top of the pyramid, the very tip, remember it says oils and fats. Now, I want people to hear this. You are born into this planet as a fat-burning machine. Why? Because fat is God's most amazing fuel source. There's actually references in the Bible about fat, about sacrificing fat specifically because it is such a powerful fuel source. Fat has double the energy content. Fat is jet fuel. When you burn fat, your mind is on track. When you burn fat, your emotions are balanced. You'll notice less depression, less anxiety. When you burn fat, you wake up energized without coffee. You go to bed at night and you sleep full six, seven, eight, nine hours, whatever it is for you. Fat is the best fuel source you have. You were born like that. That's why you came to this planet like that. Over the years of following that food guide pyramid and whatever you give your body enough of, over time it converts and becomes efficient at burning. So over the years, people eventually become sugar burners. That's when the hormones reset. I've seen this happen at three years old of someone just being dumped full of sugar. And I've seen it happen at 37 years old. But if you've eaten over the years, alcohol, drink alcohol, bread, seal, rice, pasta, sugar. And by the way, every single person has because they've snuck it in your food. Okay, so you don't even know it. They snuck it in your food. Sugar is addictive. Sugar releases dopamine in the brain. Sugar makes you think you have accomplished something in your life and you're rewarded. This is why why sugar is put in food. So over the years, what happens is people basically become sugar burners. No matter how good you eat, you could eat lettuce and vegetables and go work out. I, I do consultations with thousands of people and they say, Dr. Goldman, I eat really good. I exercise, I can't lose weight. If that's the case for you, it's because you are a sugar burner, not a fat burner. You've had a hormonal shift. Look up the hormones leptin and ghrelin. For those listening, leptin and ghrelin are what tell you you're full and when to stop eating. And it also points to fat burning or sugar burning. So you know you're a sugar burner if you you fall if you list the things I just said. You list off those things like you're having problems sleeping, emotional imbalances, digestive issues, you know, joint inflammation. You're a sugar burner. So I think that just understanding that. Is it like, is these are lenses to actually filter what people are reading through. And I don't,
0: I don't know how many times I've said it on the show that, you know, I wish I had the marketing team that big sugar had back in the eighties and nineties. Like I wish, I, I wish I had that marketing team because, oh my goodness, they, uh, they duped a lot of us into thinking, um, that sugar was, was not harmful and, and, um, it, it, it didn't do the things it does, but you're, you're absolutely correct. So what you just talked about, you mentioned the hormones, like the reset, how are we talking? First of all, let me say this, any, anything, anytime we talk about something like this, when it comes to hormones, when it comes to um, starting a fitness journey, which is going to include some type of mental health journey, some kind of psychological journey emotional journey, all that stuff. We're talking about something that might, I, I don't want to call it hard or difficult, but it's, gonna, it's going to require discipline. It's going to require those things because the number you threw out, 80% of people gain it back or fail, is staggering. It's, it's unbelievably staggering, but it is absolutely true. It is absolutely true and i say it all the time the 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 goal of of uh, people in this app in this uh, space whether trainers coaches whatever you want to call them the goal is to not have this 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 client forever the goal is not to have this person this goal is to teach them the behaviors so the time frame we're talking about to kind of reset the the human body reset the hormonal balance Usually, what amount of time are we talking about for a person, or does it totally depend on that person?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, I have found it takes if someone it, it doesn't matter if someone's been 30 years or three or three weeks, we can reset someone's hormones in 40 days. For zero, um, the, the, the program it's this is I'm the owner of the company, it's called Fast 40, and that's what we found over time it's 40 days. Um, we have a specific, uh, formula that's not chemical, not pharmaceutical related and that drops under the tongue. What it does, is it triggers your hypothalamus to go back to burning fat as a fuel source. So leptin and ghrelin go back and identify, um, fat again, and they take away from sugar. Now we have people just eat clean. We, I don't recommend people do prepackaged packaged meals. Prepackaged meals are full of, of, of preservatives. Guys, they're disgusting. They're absolutely disgusting. A lot of prepackaged meals have monosodium glutamate, a chemical that literally enhances your, your taste buds and makes you go buy more. So please try to stay away from that stuff. We have people eat real food. We eat lean meats, vegetables, and fruits. And what we have people do is cut out sugars, alcohol um, for 40 days. And that is enough to make a reset. I've had people do that. And two, three, four, five years later, they're back to being a fat burner. Um, they've stayed like that for that long. Because remember, you were born like this; your body will go right back to it. And I want to mention something um, that you mentioned, Mark, about the sugar. You might find this interesting. There's a book called *Sugar Blues* by William Duffy. Fantastic book. It's an old book, so you have to read it. It's not an audible, right? But you got to check this out. In the 1960s, there's prominent Harvard uh, prominent Harvard nutritionist published two reviews. In top medical journals, downplaying the role of sugar in heart disease. Okay. So they down, they planned it. So there was a doctor, a researcher, Dr. Christina Kern. I think it was around um, when she was basically in a Harvard medical um, um, library. She was down the library researching um, around, I think around the 1990s. Uh, she found articles that proved that a company called the Sugar Foundation paid Harvard researchers to falsify that evidence. Because in the 1960s, there was a big increase in heart problems. And so Harvard said, well, what's causing this? Is it sugar or is it fat? They actually found that sugar was causing heart problems. Sugar makes you fat. Sugar clogs your arteries eventually. They didn't find that fat did that. But when they went to go publish it, the Sugar Foundation paid them um, uh, equivalent to about forty-eight thousand uh, dollars in our money. To just flip that on over and say that fat was the problem. Now, why do I say this, Mark? This was the induction. This was the induction of low-fat craze. And when they were they pull fats out of food, they added in something really secret—sugar. So now, when if you guys see low-calorie and low-fat on your food, please put it back on the shelf. That's like saying, uh, you know, low f- fat, since it's being our best fuel source, it's like saying, I'd like to pick the worst fuel in my body. I'd like to put the best fuel, right, uh, back on the shelf. So you've got to have fat. I need fat in my food. I want to be energized. I want to be on track, right? You need calories. Calories are the only way you function. They're not bad. All this stuff has been, been villainized. So that's a really important piece of history for people to know and- um, when we look at it, why why was that done? And, and this is important. Over the years, sugar has been a part of the rise and fall of almost every major civilization since the 1500s. And it's interesting. You have to go back and, and look at this and research it. But basically, um, sugar uh, is as addictive as cocaine. Sugar uses the same receptors as cocaine. And when you take some sugar in... There's it's we we watch the neurotransmitters, it releases dopamine. The same thing as drugs and sex and all kinds of stuff, and you go, Ah, life is good. But you notice it doesn't last very long. You have this temporary dopamine hit, and then it drops off, and then you're sad again. So it's important to know that when people are reaching for these foods, bread, cereal, rice, pasta, sugars, and they think that's making them happy, I want you guys to understand you are addicted to to a chemical called dopamine. And so when I ask people, when I get people to to stop taking it for the first seven to 10 days, they will literally go through sugar withdrawal. And it's just like taking someone off cocaine is no different. They go through the same exact thing. So I think it's a nice piece of history that to me, if that doesn't irritate you or make you upset, I I don't know what will about the sugar foundation. I, it, it does not surprise me. I've, I've heard parts of
0: that story before, and I think it's something that it, 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 it changed the course of, um, you know, the American diet and, you know, you know, big D, um, not little D. So, um, it, it's just one of those things where we have to be intentional with the, the foods we put in our body and, um, it's especially it's so it's, that's just one of the hardest cycles to break. And again, it's going to take that discipline to get through it. Now we talk about, you know, you talked about the addiction of sugar because it is, I mean, let's be honest, let's call it what it is. You know, your, your body is addicted to it. And some people use that addiction to get over traumas. And some people use that to kind of make themselves feel good. But, you know, you have mentioned before um, on other shows that, you know, emotional traumas do make it, you know, very difficult to lose weight, de- very difficult to shed fat, to shed calories, to, to get in some type of fitness, you know, motivational system process, you know, for the, and this is something I, I love to connect the dots when it comes to, Feelings, emotions, mindset, and physical well-being. So let's kind of go in that direction really quickly. How how are the two connected? You've kind of talked about it a little bit, but how do those traumas affect people trying to get in better shape?
1: Mm, I, I love this question, Mark. You're gonna, and I think you're gonna love the answer too. Where we'll go with this. So, um, if you look at the brain, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala. The amygdala is what's inherited from our animal ancestors. Again, we're not too far off from our animal ancestors. We haven't evolved very much in the last few thousand years. So the amygdala is responsible for storing memory, uh, identifying emotions, and actually connecting emotions and and memory. Okay, So what happens is, which by the way was a very helpful thing back in the day. If you walk by a, a dark cave and something snaps at you, you want it you want to run cuz that cuz that meant survival remember survival was the main function of our brain you know uh, through over the last several thousands of years but what happens is this day and age that same thing occurs when the stock market crashes when your boyfriend breaks up with you when a person cuts you off in traffic when i mean you look at when the wrong president you think is is indoctrinated, right all of these things are not life threatening things, but in this day and age, the amygdala will treat it like that, like something's, something's happened. So, what happens is it's called the amygdala hijack. Okay. So, your amygdala basically, if you're in your amygdala, you're operating like an animal. You have something called the cerebral cortex and the frontal lobes, which are, are responsible for advanced thought and problem solving. Okay. So, feel into this. When you are operating from the animal plane, when you're shocked by something, the amygdala will, and people can kind of follow this because you felt it, your amygdala takes over. You lose all uh, advanced thought process and problem solving and you go into fight or flight mode. Okay. When you're in fight or flight mode, you're not thinking straight. This is why people say stuff to their spouse or husband or kids that they regret later. It's because you're acting like an animal. We are animals. Let's own it. Let's love it. You have an animal part. We're not, yes, we have evolved parts, but we're animals too. We're animals that are wired to have sex. We've made that wrong. We're animals that are wired to eat, run, fight. We're all of these things. We're animals. Now, it's important to know though, how do you get out of your animal brain? Because it seems like the animal brain isn't really a great place to be when it comes to health. Because when you're in your amygdala, the amygdala will signal the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is what produces those hormones I spoke of, leptin and ghrelin, and other sex hormones as well. It also increases cortisol and adrenaline. Now, that's an important one because cortisol is directly linked to excess weight gain. And remember, all of this has to do with survival. So the longer you're in your animal brain, the, the, the more the wiring of the brain becomes in an animal nature and the harder it becomes for you to lose weight and the easier it becomes for you to gain weight. So I'm going to give people just two methods to bring the cells out of the animal brain. Okay. And I do this with the program because again, I think that fact 80% of programs, people gain the weight back. It's because of this right here, what you just asked, there's no neurological change in the brain. So just cause you lose weight, if you make no change in your brain, you go right back to the same patterns. So how do you get out of your animal brain, and into your frontal lobe so you can do the things that are right for you so you can make more advanced processes and go, you know what? I'd like to not eat that donut today and I'm going to go for a walk. That's what the frontal cortex, the cerebral cortex, the frontal lobes can do. Two things. One, you learn to sit in your emotions. Now, when I say that, people go, oh, okay, okay. No, I'm telling you, I've, I have coached thousands of people. We have never been taught to sit in emotion. I just learned that at 41 years old. About four years ago, I realized, holy shit, I run from my emotions. Your amygdala is wired to avoid pain and chase pleasure. That's why it loves sugar so much, it's constant dopamine. The pain that we are avoiding is typically when someone wants to make good decisions for themselves, your animal brain will actually tell you to stop doing that because it's a bad idea because you're about to hit some pain. So number one, if you can sit in an emotion, go in your body and feel an emotion and find it in your body. Learn to sit in pain and pleasure. The only reason we make bad decisions in our lives, this is a big statement, the only reason we make bad decisions according to us is because we are avoiding some kind of pain. And typically the pain we think we're avoiding is the pain of feeling. If you let yourself feel an emotion and you let yourself move through it, you no longer are controlled by it. The things you let yourself experience are no longer controlling you anymore. So that's number one. Feel an emotion. Number two, learn breath work. You don't have to get anything advanced. Just learn to breathe. It's it's uh, breath work and, and 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 this is what I'm telling you about sitting emotions are scientifically proven to get you out of your animal brain. I'm let you trying to get you people out of your animal brain and into your higher brain center so you can think clearly. This is a big thing we're talking about. And I think this is far, far above and beyond what most Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers are offering. Right? (laughs) You're right. I mean, you're right. And it's,
0: it's one of those things where it's like, again, not that it's, it's, it's easy, but it's, it's not as, as complicated as people put it, at least to start the process. Like, You know, the the last thing, and I'll I'll speak from personal experience and and I'll kind of let you add to it, but the last thing I would ever want is someone to make a physical change but still be in the same brain. And I want people to understand what I mean by that because that was me for the longest time. I, and so many people have been like that and that's what takes them back down the road they were on where regardless of whatever size clothing they wear, they will look in that mirror and still see the same broken person. And that is because they didn't do. And when I say they, I kind of mean <laughs> the former version of myself. I, I didn't do the emotional work. I didn't do the mindful work. I, I didn't do those things that, you know, I needed to do to connect those dots and Again, the work you do in empowering people, that has to be something on the, and and not in the back of your mind, the front of your mind, when you're working with these people, like you don't want, you want that person not to be changed, but to be transformed into that better version of, uh, into that greater version of themselves.
1: Yeah. And and this is an important piece. This is why I really bring up the brain. And I really appreciate your question about this because, you know, you first asked me, Hey, it's focused on physical health. And that's the first thing we said was we can't separate them. It's impossible. Your, your your brain um, is literally literally playing out exactly the, the, if you want to read your what's going on in your brain just look at your body That's the best way to say it. Your, your body's a little transcript with the brain the subconscious mind is so intimately connected with the body So I saw this over the course of years there has to be a l- neurological pattern change and and we are really when you' you're, what well, you just mentioned this is the thing for all change. For all people who want to change, we, we're talking about weight loss. What if I want to go to the gym or what if I want to improve my relationship? This is it behind all of it. If you cannot sit in an emotion, and let me give you an actual example because this will make sense to people. Um, when I have people do this program, you know, I've had a lady, you know, who was 25, by by day 40, she's lost, you know, you know, 30, 40 pounds in, in, in those 40 days, it's, it's wild. But what happened is halfway through, she goes, Dr. Goldman, I really, really, really want a cookie. And I said, okay, let's do this. She had never done this before. And I want people to really follow this process. It's simple. When you feel like you want something like sugar sugar, or something that you know your body shouldn't have, what most of us do, what, what most of us do when we want sugar, okay, is we will either go satisfy the craving or try to ignore it. In other words, we are ignoring the feeling that's there. So if you go, oh my God, I'd love to have a cookie. You can satisfy the craving, which perpetuates the addiction. Or you can go, you know what? I'm going to ignore it and try to do something else. I'm telling you, neither of those will break your addiction. Neither of them, okay? Do this. I had her go and just sit on the couch and feel the pain of not having a cookie. She'd never done that before. She never did it. But what happens when you sit in the pain of not having something and you let that pain pass through, what happens is it has no control over you. I know this is a simple example, but I'm telling you, this is a secret that I found over the last several years that I do with myself. I, let's let's even associate with this relationships. You know, we're not talking about this, but I had, you know, you, 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 Mark, you've probably been through relationships in, in your past and I'd been through a few. And every time I went through a breakup, I'd feel sad and alone. And I would therefore go find another date. I was addicted to dopamine, to pleasure. Well, I finally realized how do I break the pattern? I sit in the terrible feeling of alone. And if people really hear what I'm saying, this is the way to to get off or avoid even getting on the absolutely horrific antidepressant and anxiety medications. There is no scientific evidence that those that, that you having depression and anxiety is, is an actual chemical problem. There's no evidence of this at all. But there is evidence of people wanting to avoid pain. So getting to sit in your emotions actually changes the neurochemistry in the brain, the actual neural network. When you let yourself sit in pain, your brain goes, whoa, that wasn't so bad. And you literally won't even want the, you don't even want the cookie anymore. You don't even care about the cookie anymore. So we all are going to deal with two types of pain. Let's just kind of close this with this. There's two types of pain we deal with. One, we either have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The, pro, the difference is the pain of regret weighs ounces, while the pain of uh, the pain of discipline, excuse me, weighs ounces, but the pain of regret weighs tons. So that little pain of sitting in, not having the cookie, is very small pain compared to eating those cookies and eventually ending up in a hospital with a heart problem. So you decide which pain you want. And that, that's that's the decision that a lot of us sit with.
0: But um, I, I do like that fact, and, and this brings up a uh, you know. A point that i talk about all the time is is making sure we give people that that space to and, and be emotionally available for them and and if it, it it takes you know there's a bunch of guys listening and, and they think they're just going to um just power do power through the pain just power through it mask on man up all that good stuff and it's like sit i i like that a lot i like you know, I'm thinking about times in my life where I've succumbed to to, to that reg- regret and now it's like, oh, you've never really sat in it. You've never really sat in it. And this this takes me to this because this is the question, as we kind of wrap up, this is a question I ask everybody in your space because I, I want a diversity of answers and I think it's it's helping people actually, you know, learn or, or get suggestions on how they even start this process because I, I, I know Dr. Cody, I know you've heard this a couple times. You have the person loves what you're doing, says, you're absolutely right. I, I feel what you're saying, but Dr. Cody, you know what? I just don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. You know, we just moved. We have the renovations. We have the twins. They have soccer. He's every we'll think of a thousand different things, reasons, whatever just to let you know how busy we are, to let you know how full our life is, to let you know everything that's going on. What is your response to that person?
1: Well, it's very simple. You can either seek pleasurable results or pleasurable experiences. Let me explain that. When you try to seek pleasurable results... You will take different actions, and what I'm pointing to is is really you identifying whether or not you're living in your animal brain, or in your higher frontal frontal uh, lobes, and your problem solving, pleasurable, pleasurable results doesn't always f- create, doesn't always dictate, you know, um, actions that are pleasurable, meaning. You know, someone, someone, you know, going to the gym or going for a walk or doing things are good for them. That's not always pleasurable, but the result is pleasurable. So you can either seek pleasurable results or pleasurable experiences, pleasurable experiences. You know what? are immediate gratification, dopamine, you know what? Here's a pleasurable experience. I'm going to go down a box of cookies. Oh man, I feel good. But the result does not feel good. So ask yourself, are you seeking pleasurable results or pleasurable experiences, and this—the whole thing does point towards whether or not you're in your animal brain. It's important to understand that your brain encodes everything you've been through, and and everyone understand, well, not everyone, but many people have heard of neuroplasticity. Your brain is easily rewired by the two methods I just t- I talked about in this podcast. Sitting in your emotion staying with emotion, being with it, right? Going through the pain of whatever you're, you, you're you're afraid of and it will literally retrain your amygdala to not avoid that thing anymore. So this is really a big deal. I, I love the question, but that's probably the, the biggest thing I would tell people is, sure, where has your pleasurable experiences gotten you up to this point? And, and I'm going to tell you this, Everyone tries to uh, think about that they're, that they're positive people. And, you know, I was a positive person quite a long time ago. I stopped that shit about uh, five years ago when I almost died. You got to stop that shit. Positive people attract all kinds of negative stuff. Stop that. That's called one-sided biased living. Don't shut out the darkness. Darkness is juicy. The things you're afraid of are juicy. They're there to educate you positive and negative is both aspects of life. It's all aspects of God. It's in every major religion. So when we try to shut out what we think is bad, whatever you repress inside you will express outside you. It's very, very important. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people about expressing what's inside and feeling what's inside. Whatever you push down is eventually going to show up on the outside. So what, so what, what would you like to seek? Pleasurable results or pleasurable experiences? And you might need more pain. I I love to wait until people get are in enough pain. We do not make change because of pleasure. We make change because we are in pain.
0: Yeah, not too many great movies started out with uh, the main characters being totally happy with their life and right, and right. making the change. That, that's right, man. Um, that's right. <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to say this before, um, we plug a few things. Like I want to say this, like the last two minutes of Dr. Cody talking, I think that's something that a lot of us need to, to, to download and listen to constantly. Cause there were so many things that were below the surface on that. And, and there was delayed gratification that was involved in there. There was discipline that was involved in there. There was the fact that a lot of the happiness that we perceive in life, we only perceive it as happiness because we've been through the pain of we we've, we've been through the opposite, you know, show me a person who's never had a struggle in their life that really appreciates the good times. Like there's, there's so much in there that he just dropped on us that I think this is, this is one of the times I tell people, you know, pause the show right now and go back two and a half minutes and listen to what Dr. Code and take notes on that one. Cause that was really good stuff. Um, So if they want to get more information about you, about your program, or just get some tips and just
1: follow up on the things that you're doing, how can people find you online? Uh, Thanks for asking, Mark. And it's just a pleasure being on the show. If you listen to this and you're interested in doing a doctor-supervised hormone reset that is healthy, you can go to fast40weightloss.com. If you're interested in learning to rewire your brain – and want to get out of your animal brain and, and, and get some coaching on how to do that, you can go to drcodygoleman.com. And I, I want to say this too, Mark. There's a book on Amazon called Four Secrets to Healthy Weight Loss. I just launched it. Um, that is this exposes all these secrets and in detail. So that's another great way.
0: And like I say all the time, you can pause the show now and go to the show notes. We'll have the links to all those things in the show notes. Dr. Cody, it has been a pleasure speaking to you today. I wish you nothing but success and keep doing the good work that you're doing. And, and, um, I don't think I've ever wished somebody to, to linger in pain, but I kind of feel like that's something that energizes you and, 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 gets you, uh, you know, back to not back, but gets you, you know, where you want to be. So, but Dr. Cody, this has been great.
1: I appreciate it. You take care of yourself and we'll talk soon. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for the platform. You, phenomenal man. Love talking to you.